congregation, the text for this morning's sermon is found in the passage we read from, from Luke chapter 12. Our focus will be on the verses 22 to 34. And after the proclamation of God's word, let us respond in song. Let us sing from Psalm 145, the stanzas 4 and 5. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, worry, anxiety. Who among us does not deal with these kinds of things? Especially in these times in which we live. Indeed, we live in anxious times, in worrying times. Is how many in the third world countries are, are worried about having enough, enough to eat, enough to drink. And we too here in wealthy North America have our worries too. Looking at today's financial crisis, who doesn't worry? Or who knows what will happen tomorrow? Will the stock market suddenly plunge? Yes, even collapse? Will inflation take off? driving the prices of food and drink and clothing through the roof? Will Canadians get their personal debt, which collectively stands at $1 trillion under control? Will the governments of this world, especially those of the United States and the EU, get their the rapidly increasing debts also under control? Is Will Mr. Bernanke in the United States continue to print money with reckless abandon? Oh, there's enough going on in the world of finance and business to make us worry words. And then we haven't even touched on the political unrest in North Africa and the Middle East, and then also closer to home. Yes, maybe we're worrying about paying the mortgage, dentist bills, staying good and healthy, but having a good relationship with our teenage children. And children, teenagers, we too may have our worries. We'll have any real friends at school. We'll make the sports team this year. And as young adults, we may be worried about getting through college or university or finding a good job. And as seniors, we may be worried about, about having enough to live off. Worried about becoming sick or ill with such things as cancer or Alzheimer's. And so we can so easily be filled with worry, with, with anxiety, and it's And it's easy to point our finger at what we're worried about as if this explains it. You hear it, oh, I'm worried because I don't know if I'm going to keep my job. Or I'm worried because, because I have a family history of cancer. I'm worried because my income no longer covers the expenses like it did before. But as Jesus explains our worries... Not by pointing about how uncertain life is, but by pointing to something in us. It's throughout this passage, he says, you worry because because of you, not because of things. That's why he said earlier in this chapter, guard yourself. Is guard yourself from every form of greed. Now there's all kinds, all forms of greed. There's covetous greed. I want my fair share of things. There's that satisfied, complacent greed. I'm set for life. I can kick back. I've got plenty. That's what we see there in the parable of the, of the rich fool. And then there's this anxious greed or worry. 
as we have it mentioned here in our text of this morning. What if I don't have enough? What if what I need is not there? I want something I might not get, so I, I worry, I'm anxious. Indeed, we can all be caught up in worry and anxiety because really we do not fully understand who our God and Father in heaven is. His ultimately worry reveals something about us, our lack of trust and faith in Him. And really, what does worry get us? It's really fruitless. It's useless. Yeah, it's really a useless thing to be caught up in. For remember, God our Father knows our needs. And we must simply trust in Him to graciously care for us. And so what He demands of us is quite simple, that we seek, yes, first His kingdom, and then, yes, all these needs of everyday life will be given to us as well. And so, yes, He calls us to have different priorities in life. And so our first priority is not to make sure we have enough to eat and drink and to wear. Our first priority is seeking his kingdom. Trusting in him alone that he will provide. And so God's word then comes to us this morning summarized under this theme. Let us not worry for we may rely on our father's good care. And we'll pay attention to three things. First, the call to not worry. Second, the call to seek God's kingdom. And third, the call to sell and give. I repeat, let us not worry because we may rely on our Father's good care. We'll pay attention first to the call to not worry, then to seek God's kingdom, and then to sell and give. As we level with our text of this morning, the Lord Jesus continues to discuss with his disciples the issue of who to trust for for our daily provision. And as we read in the verses before our text... Jesus had to warn those listening to him about trusting in their own possessions. As he said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Basically, Jesus was warning against trusting in ourselves. For how easy it is to believe that you and I must take care of ourselves. But when will we know that we have taken good enough care of ourselves? When will we have enough that we're, we're truly provided for? And so we're always after for more and more. We get caught up in this greed for more and more. And we're busy storing up treasures for ourselves. And so, yes, our material treasures become a God for us. Our security, we believe, is found in them rather than in the Lord God. And this is what we should not do. And that raises the next question, then what should we do if we're not to trust in our wealth and our possessions? Well, in our text of this morning, Jesus gives us a, a positive exhortation. He extends the argument of the previous passage. He turns to, to his disciples then to instruct them where they should put their trusts. And then he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat, or about your body, what you shall wear. Indeed, Jesus is saying, you and I should not worry, we should not be anxious. Or as it literally says, we should not be distracted, we should not be pulling ourselves in two. We should not be saying both, I can trust God to take care of me, I cannot trust God to take care of me, I better do it myself. 
For it is, beloved, best than that we only look to our Lord God and Father that we entrust our lives, our bodies, to His good care alone. For as Jesus went on to explain, life is, is more than food in the body, more important than clothes. Indeed, there is more to who we are than what we have or don't have. There's more to life than money and health and sports and vacations. And as Jesus has just said before, man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. To be overly concerned, yes, worried about possessions, about food, about clothing, is to miss out what life is really about. For what is life really all about? Life is about a relationship, a covenant bond with our God and Father. Yes, that's what life is really all about. True life is not about looking young or beautiful or having a nice house. It's all about having living fellowship with God our Father through Jesus Christ our Savior. Yes, it's depending on God our Father. That's what it is to live. To depend on God our Father that He will take care of lives completely. And this becomes clear from the example that Jesus gives here. As Jesus went on to say, consider the ravens. Yes, he's saying, let the ravens be our teacher here. Ravens, yes, they could be found there in the promised land. And in the ancient times, they were the least respected of birds. They were like others in the crow family, yes, scavengers. And how did God feed them? Well, you could say with roadkill, trash picking, and raiding crops. In that respect, then they were unclean birds. You can find them on the list of unclean birds in, in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And you might even think as a result that they were unworthy of God's care and provision. Now these ravens, as Jesus pointed out, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't have storeroom or barn, yet yet God feeds them, he takes care of them. Indeed, these birds don't work to produce their food. They're not like farmers sowing and reaping. They don't store vast quantities of food away in the nest or elsewhere. They live from hand to mouth, we would say. And yet it is our God and Father who feeds them. He truly takes care of the ravens in this way. They have absolutely nothing to worry about. These birds aren't anxious about where their next meal will come from. And then as Jesus concludes, how much more valuable you are than these birds, these scavengers. Indeed, we are much more valuable. We're much more important than ravens. And if God takes such excellent care of these creatures, well, we may truly trust that God our Father will take excellent care of us, who are much more important, who are His children, who are the crown of His glorious creation. And then Jesus continues. He continues to appeal to us to not worry. For as He goes on to say, which of you, which of you, by worrying can add a single hour to his life or, or a single cubit to his height. And that's hard to determine actually from the original text if, if Jesus is speaking here about time or distance, about a single hour, a single cubit. 
It's hard to be certain which picture is intended here. It could very well be that Jesus is thinking here about adding a single cubit to one's walk through life. Indeed, we cannot even get 18 inches further. That's what a, what a cubit was roughly in distance. We cannot even get 18 inches further in life by worrying. That's why Jesus is driving home a point. Worrying doesn't get you not even 18 inches further along. Worrying is really useless. And then to worry about the big things, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. To worry about these things which lie even further beyond our control is even more useless, even more futile. And this also becomes made, this becomes clear from the next example that Jesus uses. Once again, he, he looks at creation around us and then he, he says, consider the lilies, those little lilies. Consider how they grow. They don't labor or spin. Now the lilies mentioned here by Jesus are not like the lilies we may have growing around here. The word used here for lily is, is also used in the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. It's a, it's a little flower with the, the color of lips. Beautiful scarlet colored flower. And the strikingly splendid flower grows in abundance in the slopes there in the promised land. And then as Jesus said, it's not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these flowers. And yes, how easily, how freely, how, how gorgeously splendid did these flowers grow. And these flowers didn't work. They didn't spin a single thread to become so beautiful, so splendid. They didn't make their dazzling clothes, you would say, like people do. No, God clothed them. He clothed them with the splendid, this dazzling beauty that even King Solomon's most gorgeous robes didn't match. You can say Solomon's royal robes were, were at best a pale comparison to the pristine beauty and splendor of these flowers. And then as the Lord Jesus went on to explain, if that is how, how God clothes the grass of the fields, Yes, our Father, He clothes the grass with, with such beautiful flowers. The grass didn't work or spin themselves to make such beautiful, such splendid flowers. No, God did this. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, yes, the grass in the field, it has a very brief life, especially there in the promised land. One day the grass would be green and the flowers on them, they'd be blooming. And the next thing then a hot wind would come in and the grass would dry up and the flowers would wither away. And then those, those grass and the flowers were good for one thing, only them to use as fuel in the fire. And as Jesus went on to explain, how much more will he that is God clothe you, O you of little faith? Yes, if God clothes grass, which is with such beautiful flowers that, that disappear so quickly, how much more will he take care of you and me as clothe you and me as we of little faith? He says he clothes these flowers of his creation who live for a short time only, how much more will he clothe us who are, are the glorious and splendid crown of his creation who will live with him forever? 
Indeed, if he provides short-lived grass with the clothing of beautiful flowers, he will surely provide for us, yes, the ordinary clothing for us as children who are destined to eternal life in his heavenly glory. Oh, we can be of a little faith. When we needlessly worry about our life, about what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear, is how often do we lack the trust in God's promise to provide for, for all our bodily needs? Is how often don't we as his children not take to heart that he as our Father will indeed take care of us completely? And so the Lord Jesus exhorts us again, don't get yourself in knots. Don't be anxious about the basic needs like food and drink. As he said, don't set your heart or your mind on what you will eat or drink and don't worry about them. Indeed, don't let those things become the all-consuming passion in our lives. Well, that's what the unbelieving world around us does. Unbelievers, Jesus argues, have, have their hearts set on these material things. They become worried, they become anxious about having enough to eat and to drink and to wear, having enough money. Enough success in business. For them, this life in this world is really all that there really is. And so they want to enjoy this life, the good life as they talk about. And so they run after all these things. They need to make piles of money. And what won't they do to get their money? So what if they have to cheat and lie and steal to get more and more money? And so many are caught up in the doggy dog roots. Their only concern is looking out for themselves, for me, myself, and I. Yet for us, for us as believers, it is to be different. As Jesus explained to those listening to him, your Father knows you need them. Indeed, God our Father knows we need our daily bread. He knows we we have our bodily needs. He knows we need food and drink, clothing and shelter, job and home. Yes, we need health and strength. We need these things to live. He knows they're the necessities of life. And as a father, he'll truly take care of us, his children. But then then our father requires of us then to have a different approach to life than the world around us. And that brings us to our second point. And that's the call then to seek God's kingdom. Indeed, we shouldn't follow the foolish example of the world around us, of the unbelievers around us, running after material things, always worried about having enough. Now, we must set our hearts on different things. We must be motivated, you could say, in a different way. Now, we as believers hardly differ at all from the outsiders in our ambitions, in the goals we try to achieve, in the manners in which we react to disappointments and adversities in life. The way we conduct ourselves in our marriages, the way we raise our children, the way we earn and spend our money, then there's something wrong with us. Then we indeed need to change. We need to go in in the way he calls us to. Yes, we need to do what Jesus calls us to do. To seek God's kingdom. That's number one. Yes, this should be first in our everyday lives. To seek God's kingdom. Yes, this is to be our everyday habit and practice in this doggy dog world in which we live. Seek God's kingdom. Seek to live in simple obedience to God our King. 
Seek to live in humble submission to his commands, to his word. And so do what is right in, in all areas of our everyday life. Then this means we, we live in obedience to the governing authorities. This means we live in love with our spouse. This means we seek to raise our children, our teenagers in the fear of God's name. This means we don't neglect them because we're always working. This means we work hard each and every day, be it at home or at school, in the office, in construction center, on the farm. You know, it means, yes, that we're honest and realistic in the way we run our businesses. It means where we make responsible and realistic business plans for the future. It means we keep good books and accurate accounts. It means, yes, charging a fair price. It means paying our bills on time. It means, yes, that we do our work, we conduct our business in accordance with the laws of the land, not trying to cut corners, ignoring regulations. Neglecting to get permits. Yes, seeking God's kingdom, it also means that when we earn an income, we first give back to the Lord God. It means, yes, we joyfully give a regular contribution to the church. We also make sure that we pay for the reformed education of our children. It also means that we seek to live within our means, not spending more than we earn. Not buying all kinds of luxury items on credit. And yes, beloved, when we seek to live then our entire lives in submission to God, our King's commands, then God will give us what we need. Then He will give us our daily bread. Then He will give us the food and, and drink, the clothing and shelter. So He will give us His blessing upon us. Oh, yes, he promises not great wealth and financial gain, but yes, what we need, the necessities of life, the basics. He'll give us what we need to live in true thanksgiving. And so as Jesus goes on to assure us, yes, don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. As we are a little flock, this means that our good shepherd knows every single one of us as sheep. He knows each one of his sheep by name. He knows everything you and, and I need each and every day again. He knows what we need for our bodies and souls. He's intimately acquainted with our lives. And the Lord is indeed our shepherd and we will not be in want. We will not lack a thing. Remember... Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, also laid down his life for us. And yes, thanks to him laying down his life, our Father has given you and me the kingdom. A kingdom far greater than any kingdom in this world. An everlasting kingdom of many blessings. As God our Father takes great pleasure and delight in giving us such a wonderful gift... And so we can live under the firm rule of God our Lord and King. And under His providential rule, we have absolutely nothing to worry about, to be anxious about. He is in sovereign control, working for the well-being, the physical and spiritual well-being of the citizens of His great kingdom, of those who live in submission to His holy will and way. And so, yes, as our Father so graciously gives,
So we as his children should also give. Yes, give from the heart. And yes, give generously. And that brings us to our last point. The call to sell and to give. So as Jesus goes on to say, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now these words of our Lord Jesus have at times been grossly misunderstood. Some think it to mean yet that Jesus is telling all his followers to sell all their possessions and give the entire proceeds to the poor. The result would be very soon that the church would be a burden for this world. Now these words need to be understood in context. A moment ago, Jesus told the parable of the rich fool. There was the man who kept everything for himself. Very selfish man. And it's that selfish spirit, that greedy spirit, that Jesus is combating here. Life is not about selfishly hoarding everything for ourselves, as we may be worried if we'll have enough for ourselves. And so when Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the poor, he's telling you and me, and in our hearts we must not be attached to our possessions. If we put our trust in our possessions and our riches, that prevents us from trusting in the Lord God. When we put our trust in possessions and our riches, that comes to be a barrier to a living relationship, a covenant bond with our God. Now, if we truly trust in God, and we trust in God to, to care for us, to provide for us, we truly trust in Him, then, then we will be generous. Then we'll go out, all out, so to speak. We will sell our possessions, we'll give to the poor. We'll truly live in thanksgiving, giving of the abundance which we have received. And so we are then, yes, not building up treasures for ourselves here on earth, And then, yes, we're building up, in this way, treasures for ourselves in heaven. And so, yes, we are to use our our riches and wealth in the service of God, service of those around us, in the service of God's kingdom. Indeed, we are to put God's kingdom first in our lives, not ourselves, as we so easily do time and again. And so let us, in this way, not be caught up in useless worry, but in useful service to God and to those around us. And when we're busy, yes, giving to Christ and to the needy and to his church nearby and far away, then we show that we are not worried. When we give, then we show that we truly trust in our Lord God, our Father, to provide for us. Indeed, giving, giving for the church, giving for the poor, shows that we trust in God, that we have faith in him. Indeed, when we trust, yes, honor the Lord with the first fruits of our work and our produce, then we will have enough each day again. And so we can say that, yes, our giving is a good indicator of what what we truly think is important in our life here in this world. And then as Jesus concludes, then provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief breaks in, no moths destroy. And so in this way, yes, Jesus directs us to pursue the kingdom of God. To pursue the real spiritual treasures of this great kingdom. 
and take hold of those treasures and put them in our purses. Is take them with us. And those heavenly treasures, they're moth-proof, they're burglar-proof. They endure forever in all their, all their sparkling luster. They will not fade or spoil in any way, unlike the earthly treasures which so many run after. And so may we, as his children of our Heavenly Father, possess a faithfulness that will never be removed. Let's possess a life that never will end. Gifts that will never be lost. A chain of salvation that will never be broken. A love from which we will never be separated. A calling from him which will never be revoked. A foundation that will never be destroyed. An inheritance that will never fade away. Yes, these heavenly treasures, not earthly treasures, are what we need to pursue and enjoy with all our hearts. For as Jesus concludes, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Now we see our treasure to be here on earth, and our heart will be set on the things of this earth. If we see our treasure to be up there in heaven, then our heart will be set on the things of heaven, the kings of the kingdom of heaven. And so what is your heart, my heart, focused on? What do we in our hearts, in, in the core of our being, value most? What is in your heart the most important thing to you and me? What do we in our hearts concentrate on and are concerned about? Is it on earthly treasures or on heavenly treasures? What is it, beloved? Is it having enough to eat and to drink and clothes to wear, cars to drive in and so forth? Is it about having more and more material possessions? Or is it about God's kingdom? About living faithfully before God, living in obedience to his commands, living out of his grace and spirit. Beloved, we cannot have divided hearts. God calls us to give our whole heart, and in that way, our whole life to Him. Let us give our hearts by the power of His Spirit. And so also our lives fully in His service and in the service of others. And that way, let us be incredibly rich towards God, living under His rule and care, living in His kingdom, and enjoying His blessings forever. Amen.